Uh, tonight, I really want to continue in the same vein that Pastor Susan started, started us off in last week uh, with love. And if you will go to Luke 15 and hold your place right there, uh, we'll get started. So I'm not going to call this a part two to last week, um, but we'll do a little review. Last week we went over 1 Corinthians 13, we broke it down, and we broke down the characteristics and the attributes of what love is. This week I really feel like the Holy Spirit is leading us into the root, the source, the foundation of the love that we have for each other. So if you're taking notes, which I hope that you are, the title of tonight's message is, He First Loved Us. Oh man, I feel the spirit on that. As followers of Christ, we must have the revelation of how loved we are by the Father. Receiving the revelation that we are magnificently loved by God is the gate to wholeness. Because we can be prettied up on the outside. We can look great. We can have... We can, we can, under our own effort, have our life dialed in. But true life in the kingdom, it's not about how you look on the outside, it's the state of who you are on the inside. And that is wholeness. That, that, that is, when you lay down at night, can you, can you sleep well? That's whenever trials and, tempta- and things come up in your life, you're not moved by them, but you are immovable in the kingdom. So I want to start off, if we're going to understand how loved we are by God, we have to understand, we have to see the heart of the Father revealed. And I don't believe that there's any better passage than Luke 15, uh, verse 17. When you get there, say, praise God. Praise God. Amen. Brett, you sowed that where you are, wherever you're at. Yeah, that's you, buddy. <laughs> Luke, 7, Luke 15, verse 17. We're going to do a lot of reading, but this is in-depth. Y'all can handle it. So, this is the parable of the lost son. We're not, I'm not going to get into the first few verses here, because hopefully we all understand that. Uh, a son... Wanted his inheritance from his father before his father died. He went out. He wasted it. Now the son has come to his senses. So, verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you, both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. If you're a reading, real quick side note, if you're reading on a device, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. 99% of my scripture will be from that tonight. On as a hired servant. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled 
with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Mm. So, for the most part, that makes sense to our carnal mind. Well, yeah, kick him to the curb. Yeah, kick, just throw that son away. He's useless, worthless. you got to earn it around here. How many have heard that before? <laughs> oh, man, I'm about to throw a wrench in religion. I'm, oh, y'all. Verse 22. But the father said to his servant. So notice he disregarded what the, what the son had to say about himself. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but he is now found. So the party began. How many of you have seen the party before in real life? You've seen the lost son return home. You can raise your hand. You've seen that happen. Yeah, you've seen the lost son return home and the party begin. Now, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Verse 28. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. Told me to. I never... Well, I'm afraid, let me back up. Verse 29. But he replied, after all these years, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrated by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son. I want you to notice the difference. The older son didn't even recognize the younger son as a brother. But the father recognized them both as sons. Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me. And everything I have is yours. We, have to, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but now he is found. So this story is not that one didn't earn it but got the blessings. It's also not about the son that did everything right by his own actions and earned it. This parable is about the father's desire for us to come and receive the kingdom of God from him. And for us to receive a revelation of how loved we are by God. You are loved by God. His heart... Oh, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to slow down. So here's the reality of the situation. Both sons had to take their own works 
and count them as nothing in the eyes of the Father. The Son, listen, because here's what we'll do sometimes. We will stack up everything we've done wrong in life and disqualify ourselves from receiving the love that He has for us. And that is, John and I were talking about this in the office today. Pride and shame are the same coin, different sides. Pride says, God, look what all I've done. Look at all my actions. Look at how good I am. And I've never missed a service. I'm, I'm, every time the doors are open, I'm, open, I'm swinging through the doors. My, look at what I've done. Look at, what, look at this. Look at this. Look at the life that I've built. Pride is the same coin, different side of shame. And the older son honestly only saw himself as a servant not a son, because servants have to earn the favor of the master. Sons receive it by inheritance. We must take our actions, good or bad, our efforts to earn his love and count them as nothing and let ourselves step into the life of perfect love. The older son who stayed and did all the right things would have been able to labor for his father with joy instead of obligation. So let's dive into that for a minute. When, as believers, make, for me, I, I'm raised in, I was raised in church. I went to youth group in this room. There's my children's pastors right back there. I've been here, I've showed up. So I would have the temptation to try to stack up my efforts before the Father and say, of course you should love me. Or stack up my efforts before the Father and say, what do you mean that person over there gets that? Look what they did. But none of that matters. So for those of you maybe are young, or maybe you're older and you're staring burnout in the face. That's healed by receiving the love of the Father. Burnout's oftentimes the fruit of unmet expectations. But it's also the fruit of not casting your cares. And not abiding in the Father. And what we see here as the older son is an older son that has worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and is burnt out at the sight of someone receiving what he thought he earned. But what we have to do is get to a spot where we allow ourselves to disregard all of our actions and know that even if we came and sat, the father still pleased with us and the father would still throw the party for us. So now because, listen, if the, if the younger son would have first received the father's love, he would have worked out of, because imagine being out there as the older son and you're, you're taking care of the goats, you're taking care of the calves, you're doing all these things with the mindset, I'm earning it, I'm earning it, I'm earning it. That's heavy. That's just, that's, that's, that's the weight of 
the, essentially, that's the way to the old covenant. Because also what this parable is, is contrasting Israel to the Gentiles. So that's the way to the old covenant, the way of having to earn it. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And that's where we, I don't, I don't look at sin, I don't look at my life and go, well, I've got to do the right thing. It's the right thing naturally flows from union with the Father. See, the older son would have been able to join in the celebration when his brothers returned. When we receive the revelation that we are loved by God first, that we are accepted by Him first, it frees us to work out our salvation without the burden of obligation. What is the burden of obligation? It is the mindset that I better do the right thing so He doesn't get me. Well, i got to do the right thing to make God like me today. We don't have the ability, we don't have the right to attribute our moodiness and say God is just as moody as I am. But we want to take our failings as humans and say, well, God, if I can't stay emotionally stable, how can God? No, God, Romans 8, 38, 39, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the same yesterday, today, finish that for me, and forever. So the heart of the Father towards us is love. It's love. All right, we're going to spend a lot of time here. Go to John chapter 4. I've kind of broken this message down into a few sections. That first section, if you wanted to title it, it's the heart of our Heavenly Father revealed. We're going to now dive into His love first removes fear. So go to 1 John 4. We're going to start in the middle of this. We're going to start in verse 16. Um, We'll skip up and down through this passage, probably from verse 7 down to verse 20. But we're going to start in verse 16. For we know how much God... Well, let me back up. When you get there, say praise God. Praise God. <laughs> we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. Now, that love, God is, God is agape. He is agape. We covered that last week. But He is agape. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Wow. Verse 18. 
Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. Verse 18. John 16. I'm, on, I'm in verse 18 right now. First John. First John. Did I say John or did I say... <laughs> oh, I'm going to take a drink of water on that one, folks. Man, I got rolling. I said it in my head. I didn't make it out of my mouth. Well, praise God, y'all forgive me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, at least my phone didn't say, hey, Siri, what's up? You know, oh, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm messing. Oh. First John chapter 4, verse 16. If you're there, say praise God. Praise God. Praise God. All right. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, agape, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Verse 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Pay attention. Pay attention right here. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Perfect love dispels the fear of measuring up. Perfect love dispels the fear of measuring up. To live in the need to measure up by your own works, by your own efforts, by our own actions, by our own works, is to disregard the work of Christ. His per- Listen, His perfect love removes the fear of measuring up because it's the work of Christ that's being measured, not ours. And it is the Holy Spirit in us that empowers us to live out the righteousness that we have been given. His love in us is the root of all the fear, of all the fruit that we bear. His love in us is the root of our faith. It's the root of our generosity. It's the root of our salvation. I'm going to make this statement. It's not legal to call it the kingdom if it's not first rooted in love. Because you cannot separate the kingdom of God from the love of God. They're the same. So because love casts out fear, it enables us to live in faith. To truly live a life of faith, and we know this here, we must settle God's will towards us. We must settle that he doesn't have an ounce of ill will towards us, his sons and his daughters. Amen. 
God is not holding anything against you. John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So let me pose some questions. How could we believe for healing if we think that God sent the sickness to punish us? How can we live in prosperity if we think poverty is punishment for our mistakes or bad decisions? How can we live in wholeness if we believe that what is wrong with us is not able to be overcome by the love of God? We have to see in our own lives, in our interior world, we have to see that the love of God is more powerful than whatever we're going through, than whatever we're facing. Love is the door in which we access the realm of faith. It's, where, it's the door. Because the, the realm of faith is where we see the beginning from the end. So if you're believing for your healing, see yourself healed. You have to see the beginning from the end. Maybe you're facing a near-death situation. See yourself playing with your grandkids. But if, if we don't have a revelation of that love that he has for us, we'll never be able to see the future that he has for us. It's the door in which we access the realm of faith where we can see the end from the beginning and the fulfillment of the promise before it is manifested physically. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, th- not seen. Everything in the kingdom of God works by love. We went over this last week. 1 Corinthians 13, if I could have faith that moved mountains, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I could give everything without... If I, if I gave everything I have, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. See, to truly operate in the kingdom of God, we must first receive the revelation of God's love for us. It's the, it's the foundation. So it's His love first, then our love for each other. And this is where the rubber meets the road, because this is what the world sees. Because the world can't see your interior world, it can only see the fruit of it. So we may, if love's truly in our heart, the love that we have for each other is, is a natural consequence of understanding that I'm first loved by God. Because if, if I understand how much God loves me, I understand how much God loves Tanya. Because it's the same. And if I may go off here that alone should dispel strife. Can I challenge you for a minute? If you're in a situation where you're dealing with strife, there's, a re- there's the love of God over us, that revelation is missing in that situation. It really, it really is. And sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow because we want to see everything that everybody else does and blame it on them. But sometimes it's because we just don't see. So in 1 John, <laughs> thank y'all. Y'all can laugh at me. It's okay. I don't mean, ugh, man, the, the, so I say goofy stuff to the youth sometimes and they just crack up. Y'all can laugh back there. It's okay. 
I'm looking at you. <laughs> Rachel's like, yeah, he's crazy. 1 John 4, chapter 11. So we're back up in chapter, back in chapter 4, 1 John, verse 11. When you get there, say praise God. Amen. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now that's out of the English Standard Version. But I love the way that it's put in the New Living. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. We know what it's like to express love. When we love each other, that is the full expression of the love of God in us being revealed. Verse 13, And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, verse 14, We have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. It is the root for our love. It's the root of our love for each other. And I talk to this about the youth all the time. I, I, I like to give them marriage advice because they're going to be married one day, and they at least need to hear it from from a, a godly influence. Most struggles in marriages root from the fear that love won't be reciprocated back. So why would I love this person if they're not going to give me anything back? Can I, is, it, is that all right? <laughs> why, would I, why would I do this for my spouse? Why would I do this? Let's, let's take it just, let's not, let's leave it in marriage. Let's pull it out. Why would I do this for my friend? Why would I do this for my family member? They're not going to give it back to me. As if they are the source of our love. So if we live a life where we hold back the love we have for people, it's because we don't have a revelation of how loved we are by God. So let's take it back to marriage. If you want to have a deeper love for your spouse, you, you need to behold the face of the one who gave his life for you, Jesus. The Greek word is pros, face-to-face, communion. Behold love himself. And then you will, instead of going into a situation, whether it's in marriage or whether it's in a, relationship, a friendship, you, if you're stepping into a situation where love is needed, you're not looking to that person across from you to give you what you need. You already have what you need. And now you're pouring into a situation instead of expecting something from the situation. That was free. So God's love for us is the root of our love for each other. First John 4, down, skip down to verse 19. We love each other because he loved us first. 
Let that just get all over you. Oh, man. And now John gets tough. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. Whoa. Whoa. That's strong, that's strong words from John. Praise God he said it. I didn't have to. But, I mean, check. In my life, in our, come on. Social media just exasperates this. We just feel emboldened behind a keyboard. <laughs> but if we look at a situation in our life and go, well, there's just not any love there, maybe you're the one to make it happen. Love y'all. <laughs> y'all say, I love you too, Dylan. Sorry. <laughs> Love y'all. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> For if we don't love people we can see, how can we, le- how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Well, that's, I, can, I would like to say it's about to get easier, but it's not. <laughs> Praise God. Jesus said this in John 13, verse 34. You don't have to go there. You can just listen. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Okay. The Son of God is giving His people a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Verse 35. For, lo- for your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We are all familiar with the Ten Commandments. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. Jesus has now given us a new commandment. Love each other like Christ loved us. It is the love of Christ rather than love your neighbor as yourself. Instead of ourselves being the standard of love, Christ has now become the standard of love. He raised the bar. But here, here's where the bar is. It's from love learned to love revealed. Because the love of Christ only comes through the revelation of a life lived with the Son of God. There's only one avenue for it, and it's union. John 15, abide in me and I'll abide in you, and you you will bear much fruit. And love is the promise of the fruit that you will bear. While the disciples walked with Jesus, he revealed to love his, his love to them. They saw his love in action. So more than the knowledge of love... Even though we need the knowledge of love, we need a revelation of His love for us. We must receive the revelation of love through abiding in Him. As I said prior, John 15, Abide in Me and you will bear much fruit. Now, 
I want to shift gears here. To fully receive the love of, love of the Father, we have to let go of the idea that we are not worthy enough to receive it. Because I would say that most of our hang-ups in receiving His love for us is not because we don't know, it's because we don't think we're good enough. So if you go to John 17, we're going to let Jesus just tear that one apart. Y'all receiving something tonight? Thank you. Praise God. Yes. The Gospel of John. Not First John. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not Ken. Ken's so good at jokes. I'm not. So I just preach. So if y'all find something funny, man, I, thank God. <laughs> it was not me. <laughs> uh, praise God. John 17. We're going to read the whole chapter. So I'm reading out of the New Living if you're on a device. So John, when you get there, say praise God. Praise God. All right. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, so Jesus is praying to the Father, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. For he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Man. Verse 6. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. Oh, verse 10. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world. But I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures were told. Oh, this is where it gets crazy right here. Verse 13. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Praise God. They do not belong to this world, 
any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, listen closely, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So we're included in this. Verse 21. I pray that they will all be one, just as you, are, you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory. Okay, Jesus is declaring that we are joint heirs with him right here. Verse 22. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them. You are in me. They, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them just as much as you love me. Verse 24, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can all see the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. These disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them. I will continue to do so. Then your love for me, oh man, listen right here. Then your love for me will be in them and I will will be in them. The entire chapter declares that we are joint heirs with Christ. Listen to this. The love that the Father has for us is not an inferior love compared to the love of Christ that the Father has for, the, for Christ. It's the exact same love that the Father has for Christ that the Father has for you and I. Whoa. Whoa. It's the exact same love. If you go over to Romans chapter 8, verse 12, I'll let you get there. Oh, man, time really does fly when you're up here, folks. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 12. When you get there, say praise God. All right. If you're not there, look off your neighbor. <laughs> Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, not your power, but the Spirit's power in you, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Oh. So we're not fearful servants to the Father. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Verse 16, for his spirit joins with us, with our spirit, to affirm that we are God's children. So your spirit in you reverberates that you are a child of God. 
And since we are his children, we are his, his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also, we must also share in his sufferings. The next verse goes on to say, yet these sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that we will receive. So I didn't want to leave it right there. From the moment we believe on Jesus, we are engrafted into the family of God. And we have access to everything the Son of God has access to. Love is truly the door. To the, to the degree the Father loves the Son, He loves us. Amen? Do not disqualify yourself because of your past, because of your success, because of your failures. God opposes the proud, but in due time, He lifts up those who humble Himself under His mighty hand. If we want to grow in faith, then we must grow in the revelation of how much the Father loves us. We must get to a place where we can only see ourselves covered in His love. Fear is not overcome by faith. Fear is overcome by love. Perfect love casts out fear. So if we want to grow in faith, we must grow in love. Here's a couple ways to tell when we are in love and we are, have fully received the revelation. When situations rise up, when the storms of life begin to happen, we're not moved by life's inconsistencies. Look at Jesus in the boat. The Spirit did not wake Jesus up. The fearful disciples did. I firmly believe you're free to disagree with me. This is my opinion. I can't fight it in Scripture. I love you anyways. Jesus had every intention to sleep all the way to the other side. Praise God he calmed it. Praise God we found him asleep. <laughs> His perfect love will give you the rest that you're going to make it to the other side. There is an end. Here's another way. How we love people. We cannot give someone something we haven't, haven't yet received ourselves. So if I'm, if I'm struggling in my love walk with people, I cannot pass blame on them because the Holy Spirit has given me power to love in all situations. And that's tough because a lot of times we want to give it right back. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. When someone gives us no love, we want to just no love right back. But Jesus, he set the bar so high. He, he set that bar right where it's supposed to be. John and I, I'm going to use this. We talked about it this today. There's probably more, but I, I'm going to point out two examples in the Scripture where love was being poured out on those who were doing the hateful deed. Jesus on the cross, Stephen getting stoned. In their death, from the ones who were killing, in their death, their response to the ones who were killing them was not to them, but to the Father. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do.
The Holy Spirit has given us the power to love in all situations. Let's strive for that. And here's the truth. Love, real love, disarms people. How many of the, how, you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand. But I've seen situations where tensions were rising, and when one person chose to root themselves in love, it eviscerated every bit of tension in that space. It disarmed the aggressor. When people think a fight is around the corner and we respond with love, it only tears down walls. But that is possible because we know how loved we are by the Father. If you will go back to 1 John with me. I'll end right here and I will open it up. We'll start in verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That love being agape. Verse 9. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Love was revealed on the cross. So please hear me tonight when I say this. You are magnificently loved by God. You want to be free from sin? Get a, get a grip on how loved you are. On how loved you are. Amen? If you will do this, stretch your hands out in the posture to receive from the Lord. I want you to say this over, your, over yourself. Say this, I am, I am magnificently loved by my Father in heaven and His attitude towards me is unwavering and it is love that breaks every fear that tries to come into my mind. Amen? You receive that? Alright, Lord, I bless these people as they go throughout their week. I thank you that the love of God in them generates the light that they are in the world. And that as we go throughout our week, that they are blessed in everything they do. And that the love of God is so evident in them that it overpours out of them into every space and everyone that they come in contact with. Lord, I thank you that as they walk into rooms, atmospheres change because the love of God has walked into the room. I thank you that as they walk into the room, that the hearts begin to stir and minds begin to stir. And they go, what is it about that person? Because what it is, they see the love of God on them. I thank you for every single one of these people, and I thank you that you watch over them in everything they do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.